All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Real Talk with Rates. I'm sorry for the extended break, but um, life got a little crazy, and I really only want to bring to you the topics that I feel super passionate about and not just have to sit there and listen to the sound of my voice. This week, we are going to talk all things body image and diet culture. I have a really special guest with me today who is going to give us some amazing tips on how to have a more healthy relationship with food. Today, we have Leanne. She is a food freedom coach with 17 years experience as a nutritionist. Leanne runs a business that is called Rewire Your Brain to Stop Emotional and Binge Eating without dieting, which sounds absolutely fabulous to me. Welcome to the podcast, Leanne. Oh, thanks so much, Rach. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> Before we get started on asking Leanne a few questions, I thought that perhaps I would go over a little bit about um, my body image issues. I shouldn't say issues, but just a little bit about um, about me personally. I, um, I would like to point out at this stage that I don't consider myself to have any real body image issues, but um, a lot of us women go through these struggles daily. And I wanted to uh, point out a few things that might resonate with some other people, especially now that I've gotten a little bit older. Uh, menopause is now on the cards and I've had a couple of children and I think things really change as you, um, as you get older. I am aware that there are people who are suffering some real mental illnesses in this space, and I don't want to take away the seriousness of their struggles. So during my childhood at school, I was one of those kids who got picked on for being skinny. I was called a surfboard, a praying mantis, um, lots of really unfortunate things that no child ever dreams of being called. Um, and I think that because it has always been socially acceptable for you to comment on people's weight if they are skinny. But um, I think that we're starting to get, hopefully, down that track where commenting on people's weight and their personal appearance in no shape is really um, called for or warranted or necessary. So, um, but I do think that as you, because I was skinny and I wasn't overweight, people thought that it was okay to, to talk on that, but it still really hit home. That's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about how um, all that has kind of changed ever since my maybe mid to late 30s, which is when also when I had my first baby is when things started to change. And when I say change, when I look back now on photos of me pregnant or after having a baby, there was absolutely nothing to complain about. Sorry for my, um, my language. But um, isn't it funny how we look back on ourselves it's not even necessarily that long ago but maybe like say five years ago when we were thinking that we were you know we weren't looking fantastic and we're like oh my god I would love to look like that now um uh, I also wanted to touch base I think things are changing a little bit more now with um with social media obviously although it has always been body image and being thin has always been sort of shoved in your face with magazines and tv shows and things like that but obviously Social media is um, makes things a, a lot more difficult and a lot more in your face and we're on there all the time. So it's definitely sort of, it's like when you buy a new car, it seems to be everywhere. Um, uh, women are always obsessed with their body image. Every ad that comes on is about weight loss or shapes or getting your pre-baby body back. And, you know, what the hell is wrong with the body that you've got? You know, you just gave birth to a child. We should be 
um, embracing that and celebrating that. Um, yeah, there's always workout equipment. There's always a Weight Watchers ad or Light and Easy and things like that. And um, I think that sometimes we think about ourselves as being directly, our self-worth goes with our um, how we look. Uh, people would probably be really shocked to know that I literally spend about 80% of my day worrying about the size of my stomach. We all have a thing and that my stomach is my um, my issue. I get really grossed out when I look at myself in the mirror or in photos. Um, I can't even fathom the thought of trying on new clothes, which is probably why I end up buying things online and then I get them and they don't fit me. And then it just, I spiral into this whole self-sabotage thing. And then that's when I'll open up a bottle of wine because that will stop me from thinking. And then I wake up anxious and angry at myself for consuming an extra 600 to 1200 calories. You do the, the maths on that. <laughs> Um, and then I'll start Googling how to lose five kilos in five minutes, you know, and we um, we think about doing things drastically and unnecessary to fit into a social mode. Sorry, a social, I can't remember what the word, what society thinks we should look like anyway. So enough about me. Um, we, did, we weren't here just to talk about me, but I, like I said, I wanted to tell my story a little bit so that I maybe will resonate with some other people. I'd like to throw over a few questions to um, Leanne now and just maybe a little bit more about yourself and what you led to becoming so involved with nutrition and in particular helping women. Oh, thanks, Rach, and thanks for sharing your story. It's I love the way you talk and, um, and share your experience and I'm sure there's so many women watching this that can totally resonate with what you're saying. I know I've got lots of friends who um, would definitely resonate and experiencing the same thing. So, um, so I became a nutritionist at, I went back to uni at 24 because I was battling with bulimia and binge eating. So I wanted to become a dietitian to work out what the hell was wrong with me and how to fix it before anyone else would find out about it. Um, had a lot of shame and guilt around it. Um, I think my parents knew at that point and I'd tried to get help with different psychologists and things, but nothing was really working for me. So I thought, right, I'll take it into my own hands. And um, I learned a lot about nutrition. Then obviously I did a dietetics degree, um, but then I sort of took the holistic approach after that because I found that, um, well, just basically a lot of the things, the medical side of things wasn't in line with my philosophy, I suppose. And so that's why I call myself a nutritionist rather than a dietitian. Um, so, um, so your question, so what led me to be a, a nutritionist and yeah, what do I do? I guess, I guess yeah. yeah, what, what, what um, was the catalyst that started you to want to, you, you mentioned that you were having a few issues yourself. So, and you were finding that the, the, the normal ways of going about that weren't really working for you. So can you tell us a little mm. bit about that? Yeah, so I was just trying every diet under the sun. I just thought mm. I needed more willpower to stop the binge eating at yeah. night. Yeah. But now I know that that was what was actually perpetuating it. So it was the restriction that was going on and trying to be skinny all the time and eating as little as possible during the day um, was making me come home and binge at night. So um, in when I went back to uni and, you know, learnt dietetics, it was sort of a double-edged sword. You became very, you know, I ate sort of three healthy meals a day, but you did become very obsessive because you had to enter everything into the, all the computer mm. systems to analyse every single nutrient. 
and everyone was talking about it and you'd be comparing each other's lunchbox at lunchtime and everyone was losing weight and it was all very competitive and you know all this unspoken stuff going on um so i um i learned how to nourish my body better and i, I learned what was more balanced eating but then i found just trying to eat the meals too perfectly all the time um became yeah like I, I lost a lot of weight in sort of year three and then I you know I battled to keep that off and there there was binging and bulimia during that time you know it might only be I might eat two biscuits but I'd bring it yeah. up again because I thought oh, I've stuffed it up now you know I can't put on weight I've got to stay this weight because people would give me compliments because I was skinny you know mm -hmm. so that was pressure and as you said before about you know um mentioned earlier about you know commenting on people's bodies people think they're doing a nice thing but it's really it's not helpful sometimes because it adds a lot of pressure and you think oh what did you think of me before then if i didn't yeah. you know yeah so um so um the i think the restrictions of what you mentioned around i think that that's a really important point for us to make is a lot of the times I, I, I kind of think that I do agree with having kind of like a bit of it, not a schedule, but a, the balance that you were talking about. But that real restrictiveness is, mm. is what um, we put all our hopes on to go, okay, this is all I can have. And when we don't get to that point, we mm. just, we crumble. Yeah. It makes you feel not good enough. Yeah. You feel like you never get there and if you don't do it perfect you know you're not good enough because these what's diet the, companies and what's the point right what's the point if i can't if i can't stick to this then what's the mm. point yeah exactly it may as well just give up yeah so <laughs> it, it tends to be like you know they market it like if you follow this perfectly you will lose weight so you blame yourself and they say it's the only industry in the world where the the customer blames themselves when the product doesn't work instead mm. of blaming the company so yeah. So yeah, it's designed for us to feel like, oh, but I just need more willpower. I'm weak or I'm a failure. And then so every time you fail a diet, you want to go back for more because you've lost control again. So then you want to get control again by having these strict boundaries again. But then the same thing happens again. So every time you do that, it's like this learned helplessness and this powerlessness that keeps getting embedded into you. And then it's like, yeah, what's the point? I can't do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with your business, when you have somebody that uh, wants to join and, and have you help coach them, what are some of the first things that you will go through um, before you start going moving forward? Sure. So I will meet with them um, on Zoom and we do a call where I need to get really clear if, if we're a good fit to work together, basically. So we'll um, talk about um, and really establish exactly what's going on with their eating and what's going through their mind about, you know, their body um, and, and kind of where that's coming from too. Um, and we sort of go in, go a, a bit deeper and into how they're actually feeling in their emotions. Because some people not aware um, of what's going on. They don't have a lot of clarity or understanding around it. So we kind of, you know, I'd give them clarity about what's um, going on, a little bit of insight. And then um, we sort of establish whether it's what I do. If, if they're battling from emotional overeating or binge eating, for example, that's what I do. I work with women to help rewire their brain to break that habit. So we sort of 
you know, once once we establish that, that we're a good fit to work together, then there's kind of a, a process that we do after that. Yeah. You mentioned before when we were chatting that you've got, um, we both scratched our head at the same time then. You've got like, uh, we actually study that in counselling and psychology, that it's a mimicking thing that you can do to build rapport with people when you're actually having um, yeah. a counselling session with them. So it's actually really okay. interesting that we both just did that. Um, yeah. You mentioned that there was like a seven sort of step process that you go through um, mm. and to establish. And I think that when you mentioned before about emotional and binge eating, I think most, no, that's most is a really broad thing. But I think as mm. far as we're concerned, we're a little bit wired to emotionally eat or emotionally not eat. Um, yeah. And yeah, to that binging thing comes in when we try to restrict ourselves a little bit too much. Yeah, absolutely. Because we only binge on the foods we restrict. Yeah. So it's when you yes. like imagine if we binged on binged on the good food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. probably wouldn't give us that um, that feeling of what else, we were talking a little bit before about, as well as about that um, that instant gratitude or that you know the getting getting off, yeah, like the great, yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So, if you could just run over a couple of those seven steps that you that you go through, what are some? What are just a couple of those? Yeah, sure. So we're kind of looking at if there's anything physiologically in the body that's driving them to binge, because sometimes there's imbalances in gut health, or um, you know, there's food cravings happening for a reason. So we look at what's happening there and how they're eating and things like that. But I tend not to focus too much on diet because that can be very triggering for someone that who mm. is coming from a diet binge background. It's just kind of feels like it's a diet again. So it's really um, a process of learning how to nourish and regulate the hormones, um, blood sugar levels, moods, emotions, all of those things in order to prevent the cravings to make your job easier to break free from break, break free from the habit of binge eating. So we look at the physiological stuff to start with, and then we look at, um, you know, all the belief systems and um, all the judgments that you have around food as good or bad or right or wrong, and about your body, and where all of those come from, you know, we can we sort of go a bit deeper, because these things get quite ingrained from when we're younger and just mm. from living in a society drenched in diet culture everybody's talking about diets and food and bodies all the time yep. and having to look a certain way as you said there's so much pressure on mums these days isn't there mm. yeah it's ridiculous and a lot of those ads come on <laughs> crazily or mean probably strategically when you're breastfeeding in the middle of the night so i remember oh. with my, my kids were young I would um, get up and and feed them in the middle of the night and just whack the television on and it would be exercise equipment and all about weight loss and fitness and bodies and all of that and you'd just be sitting there going, I mean, oh. I should have changed the channel. But sometimes you kind of get caught up, you get caught up in that stuff and then you, yeah, you start to really yeah. get down on yourself. Like we, another thing we mentioned before when we were chatting just before we pressed record, um, really focus why what why wasn't I focusing on what my body has just done um yeah. and you were talking a little bit before about starting to um talk to your body and yourself in a bit more of a positive way hmm. yeah definitely yeah so as far as that goes as far as you know having a positive 
outlook on your own body or body image in general is to yeah, focus on how you feel and what your body can do. And as you said, you've just had a baby, you know, that's Ooh. a pretty amazing <laughs> thing that the female human body can do. So it's appreciating that, you know, that creative intelligence of the body and and what your body can do, even as, you know, we we're talking earlier about um, just being able to get yourself into weird shapes at yoga or to be able to surf or whatever performance goal that you have, maybe lifting weights or something else, you know, um, focus on what you can do and on performance goals is really good rather than what your body actually looks like. It's just focusing on how it feels more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I, we do a little bit of that at the gym as well. Um, we like to focus on like that, like you said, performance things like uh, I can lift this much or I can squat this much or like you said, you can now do some new poses with yoga and you're learning to surf. And um, mm. and we were all also talking about how we can congratulate our body that we never, we like I never thought of doing any of this stuff, but, you know, I really didn't, you mentioned it earlier, I really didn't feel like I'm tired and I didn't feel like getting up today, but look at my body getting, getting me up and getting out there and, mm. you know, going to work or going for a walk or whatever the little things might be. It's like, oh, I was... You know, I was a bit harsh on you last night with, um, you know, having a few drinks or, or, eat, or eating a bit too much. But look at you, got getting up and and walking me around. I <laughs> feel like a champion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, being stressed, running around, picking kids up, and getting through the work day, and doing everything you've got to do. Like your body doesn't necessarily want to do that. It actually needs rest half the time, or it needs nourishment, and then we skip lunch and have another coffee instead. You know. Yeah. So yeah, just acknowledging. Yeah, it's I'm so guilty of the co of the coffee thing as well, and yeah, because and and it's I think it's an, a habit that I've established as well is that that I mean at the moment I'm trying to drink less, so I'm forgiving myself for having maybe a few extra coffees because you know I want to I want to start creating different habits, but I, not to say I want to replace that with something else, but just mm -hmm. you know creating creating new habits I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, coffee is actually very liver cleansing, yeah. <laughs> just on a positive note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I do tell myself that at the same, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but makes you and feel any better. I never drank coffee until, like, last year, and it's only the last few months I've drinking it daily. Like, I've yeah, not, right. yeah, not a great way to start, drink but it. I love I didn't, it. <laughs> yeah, same. I didn't drink it at all until I was about 30, and then I started working in a corporate office and it's just mm. that's just what you do in a corporate office everybody goes down to the coffee shop a couple of times a day or before work and um yeah. it's a real culture and it's just like the friday night drinks and things like that so mm. um yeah i to be honest i do miss those corporate friday those corporate friday <laughs> drinks they were always a bit of fun which brings me to um what are your tips for getting through the the weekend without because i know for me particularly and i know probably there's a lot of people that are the same you're, you're really good Monday to Thursday and then things start to spiral out of control over the weekend. Do you have any tips on how to try to stay on track or to not beat yourself up over the weekend and sort of slip into a bit of a negative cycle? Yeah, sure. And so for those of you who are watching who do battle with emotional overeating or binge eating, it's all about um, having 
And, and if you are stuck in that, you may need help with this. It's not going to be just as easy for some people, but um, for some general tips, like it's, it's adding more of those playful foods in during the week when you actually feel like it. Like for myself, I used to have my cheat day on a Sunday. And when I look back, it's like, it was almost like a planned binge. I didn't mm. even feel like some of the foods I was eating, or sometimes I'd be hungover and I did not just eat everything. And then it it sort of transpire into worrying about how the week was going to go and then the the late night binge on a Sunday would sort of get out of control and then my week wouldn't start on a good note so and that was because I was so restrictive leading up to that Sunday I wasn't allowed to have any of those foods only on a Sunday so it was really quite abusive to my body when I think about it because often I didn't even feel like that but that was the only day I was allowed to have it so I'd have it anyway um so it's really weaving in those playful foods when you actually feel like it what if you want chocolate on a Wednesday morning and it's not a Sunday you know mm. what if you like pizza on a Tuesday night not a Friday night or fish yep. and chips or it is so it's really listening to your body and if you are battling with your eating you may not be totally aware of how your body feels and what you need but it's it's getting uh, really connected with yourself and allowing those foods when you truly feel like them because otherwise there's that's where all the confusion starts and we lose the trust we have in our body when we're too busy following a diet plan and not actually eating what we what our body feels like at the time or the amount that it feels like then all this confusion starts to happen about how to eat because it's not making you feel good and it's creating more eating problems so then it's like well, I don't even know how to eat anymore yeah 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 being more gentle and kind during the week and adding those foods in having more self-compassion around your eating, having, I always say, fluidity and flexibility around your eating. You know, intuitive eating is about nourishing your body adequately. And, you know, we all need to have certain nutrients and vitamins in our body so that our brains and our organs work properly. So we need to eat healthy. And, you know, eating intuitively is healthier than a diet because we're actually getting, you know, enough nourishment. Whereas strict diets, not so much. So, you know, you get to the weekend and your body is usually physically deprived, like it's actually yeah. hasn't had enough energy or nutrition. And there's the stress because when you go on a strict diet, it actually triggers adrenaline and cortisol, which also contribute to, you know, the urges to binge, which actually drive you to binge because your brain senses a starvation and it's trying to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. So it drives you to eat more than usual. So there's yeah, all that. It's, all the, it's so much information, isn't there? There's so much psychology towards um towards it and this is what I was saying to you earlier I I, um if I sort of restrict myself to not having a drink and then I'll get to Friday and I'll go down to the bottle shop and I'll buy all of the bottles and you know have more than what I probably need whereas if I just let myself have a glass here and there through the week I probably wouldn't feel the need to shock my body into into doing that same with you know if you're or if you, I'm going to have a whole pizza to myself on Sunday, whereas if you maybe had a slice here and there through the week, yeah, your brain wouldn't be just, you know, gagging to get to that Sunday. And even like you said, even if you might not feel like it, this happened to me um, last weekend, we went and got a pizza, a pizza for my, the kids and I to share. And I ended up eating two pieces, like two pieces more than what I probably wanted just because, I'd allowed myself to have it at that point. Um, So there's some really important um, tips that you raise to just have that intuitive throughout Mm. the week so that you're not Mm. holding off to, you know, 
to punish yourself on the weekends, but not punish yourself. You're punishing yourself during the week to let yourself free on the weekends when we really should be doing it. Yeah, that escapism happening. Yeah, and it's the rebellion, or it's a rebound effect, or it's escapism, or it's all too hard, and you're actually just really Mm. hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's judgment of food as well as good or bad too. Because if you think pizza's bad or chocolate's bad, then you will restrict on it, and then when you do have it, it's like this last supper eating that happens because your brain goes, "Oh my god, she's never going to let me eat that again, so we have to Mm. eat as much as we can now." So yeah, it's all about the brain sense and all of that. And we, they're all things that we just don't think of because we want, like, when I was, I was, you know, I'd do that late night Googling, how do I lose five kilos in God, some mm. of the stuff that comes up when you do that, by the way, there's some YouTube clips of just saying, just don't eat. For, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's crazy some of the stuff that's out there and people just go along with it and, um, and think that that's what's going to change everything and help them long term when you know we know that those diets are just they're mm. not sustain they're not sustainable um so what would you say some of the biggest myths around um weight loss would be or diet, so, or diet culture more you know yeah yeah so the thing that i see pretty much every single client so 99 percent of clients that come to me have been intermittent fasting okay and they're battling with binge eating like i would almost say every single person um and cutting carbs as well things like that um but fasting is a big one and because there is a lot of scientific evidence around it that it is good for your body but not if you're an emotional eater or a binge eater and most people have some sort of emotional attachment to some food so it can just cause some people would really control it and not let the binge happen if they're really stuck in the diet mentality like that like i was i used to control it a lot as well but then i would lose control and binge sometimes um so the fasting definitely and there's a whole lot of research there's thousands of research studies proving that fasting or dieting and and restricting food triggers binge eating it actually yep. causes the disorder and it causes anorexia as well yeah wow and yeah. The, um tell us that we can have some carbs absolutely <laughs> Thank your you. body needs carbs your body <laughs> needs carbs but you know obviously it's out of balance you wouldn't be getting enough protein and vegetables and all the other nutrients that your body needs if you're just living on risotto and big plates of pasta every yeah. day like it's got to be balanced but there's nothing wrong with having a bowl of pasta or eating a sandwich or having yeah. some cereal it's just looking at the balance over the day from a nutritional perspective and going okay is this good for my body am i getting enough nutrition here you know yeah and you were mentioning before about focusing a lot more on how these foods make your body feel rather than how they're going to make them look and I think that's a really so my next question was what are some of the biggest tips that you've got on maintaining a healthy um, relationship with eating and I I think for me that's one of the things that I've taken from my chats with you are um, is make is concentrating on how these foods make my body feel yeah, absolutely. And I think I mentioned earlier, Rach, how some people, if you know, if you are watching and and you are battling with binge eating in a in a quite a, a clinical way, then you may not know how foods make you feel. 
um because sometimes because binge eating is about cutting off your awareness we're subconsciously not wanting to feel anything we're wanting yep. to numb out and not yep. be aware yep. so that includes disconnection to your body people often avoid their body they don't want to know about it so it's developing that connection again that's really important so you do know how foods make you feel you know how you feel like fish and chips is a good one People, if they don't know how other foods make them feel, they'll often notice, oh, yeah, I don't feel good if I overeat on fish and mm. chips, for example, or pizza maybe. Um, so it's noticing how it feels and it's it's a, that process of building up your self-worth so that you feel good about yourself and you actually want to feel good and you're choosing foods that are going to make you feel good that you also enjoy and are delicious for you, but it's it's wanting to feel good in your body is the focus. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we're not saying that you can't have those things. It's just um, say if you did have that a bit of fish and chips on a on a Tuesday when you haven't normally scheduled it, then you're probably not going to gorge yourself on it like yeah. you would do on your Sunday if your Sunday was, you know, your cheat day or your treat day or whatever it is that you want to call. And um, I think you also mentioned about being careful about calling food good and bad foods, like the way that we talk to about food and the way that we talk about ourselves mm. um, are some really good tips that I've, I've got from you from our chats as well. Yeah, self-compassion is huge and that's often something people have to learn as well because we're so used to judging yeah. ourselves. That negative yeah. self-talk's always there, yeah. isn't it? It's, an, it's such a new thing, isn't it? It's a, and that comes mm. down to being... Um, being a mum, being, um, you know, learning how to do, learning how to surf, learning how to do yoga, just learn any, any kind of learning new things. We, yeah. um, we do have that negative self-talk. So um, I've got some really great tips from you today that I would, I'm going to love sharing with anyone who is listening. And um, I thank you so much for giving us your time and your knowledge. And uh, if anyone wants to deep, um, delve deeper in with Leanne, I will leave the link on both the podcast and I think I'm going to up, uh, upload this to YouTube as well. And um, I'm sure that she would be more than happy to help you on your journey of eating, um, you know, more positively, shall we call it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's my passion. It's my absolute passion because I've battled with this myself. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm living my purpose and I just want to help as many women as possible. Yeah, this, that's yeah. awesome. You can see that. I can feel that. I can feel that from you and in all of your energy from your posts and all of that sort of thing. I can, yeah, I can feel that from you. And what a real gratifying thing for you to be able to find what your purpose is. It feels It's a really nice feeling. <laughs> Very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Leanne. And um, perhaps so we'll catch up again and do some, some other stuff down the track. Absolutely. Love to. <laughs>